This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's pretty good. It's like a piece of rubber. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. And here we are, another Friday. It is Friday, right? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. These na- like these last few weeks have just like run into each other. <laughs> I feel like it's just been like a one really really long day that has just never ended honestly like and then there's just like a little like there's like a couple naps in between yeah i wish you would know man because i feel like you have to read like this this what what's the word i'm looking for sage yeah you need to be sage soothsayer soothsayer i was gonna say the rock but (laughs) i have to be the rock you gotta be the rock right now like right now i'm like the doe like dwayne johnson the rock yeah, you can be Dwayne Johnson the Rock if that's what you feel like being. Do you smell la 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 with a Nikki's not cooking? It doesn't even matter if you do, because I mean, you know, you and I right now, only one of us can eat. So if you're not cooking, it really don't matter. <laughs> me. I just go to the fridge and, fridge and get a shake, right? So, oh my God. So it's, um, I would say, a pretty structured show this week, thank God, because if it wasn't, I don't think we would be having a show this week. No, no. (laughs) Um, We have a guest coming up later on. We do. Um, We have another edition of Roly Poly Rorty. And um, I would say, as with all shows... We have a You Heard, which we can actually get to right now if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start the fun, Tom. All right. You You Heard? heard? So this week's You Heard comes to us from Rockefeller Center, the concourse. And you were with me when I heard this. We were walking into the bowels of Rockefeller Center concourse, and we saw this girl and her boyfriend, and she was crying, and, like, she was up against the wall, and she was just like, because who of us has not cried out in public in New York? I feel like it happens to maybe maybe not someone like you. I've cried before in public. Over what? Um, I don't know, maybe one of my multiple layoffs, maybe one of my multiple health issues. Go, who knows? But anyway, so this girl was crying in Rockefeller Center Concourse, and she says, and I quote, I hate these fucking people. I don't want to live here anymore. I don't think that I will ever get to the point where I'll say, I don't want to live here anymore and mean it. Like, I might think it at some points, like... Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pack up all my shit and move to Ireland tomorrow. 
But at the end of the day, I know I would miss being here. Yeah, I would hate being here unless we were in Ireland. Like, Ireland is the only place I think that, like, I would be like, okay, whatever. Because coming back from Ireland is the only time in my life of living here that I did not see the skyline and get, like, choked up or, you know, like, I'm here. Like, I got choked. You were like, eh, it's all better. (laughs) (laughs) I cried because I didn't want to come back from Ireland because life there was perfect. Well, yeah, it's, like, so complicated here. It's ridiculous. It is, and there's so many people. And, like, I just, like, I know, like, I hate people. And, like, even today, like, I went downtown, and, like, I totally get what that chick was saying because I went downtown today for the first time in, like, weeks, and it was just, like, I fucking hate being downtown with people. Well, yeah, downtown is, I don't know. Is it any worse than being uptown, though? (laughs) (laughs) By the end of the day, I feel like, you know, I get to do like a five minute walk a day. I go outside and for that five minutes, all I'm doing instead of focusing on let's breathing and fresh air. Yeah. Like, you know, like, hey, just being out. I'm focusing on this motherfucker standing in my way. (laughs) Why is this idiot stopped in the middle of the sidewalk? Why is this person talking so loud? Like, it's a very easy to hate place. It is. It is. But at least you know that going in. Yeah, and you know like I mean? and they say like New York has a way of weeding people out that it doesn't think or that it doesn't deem strong enough to live here and maybe that girl should just go back to wherever she came from if she can't hack it. Yeah, go back to your uh pumpkin patch wherever that might be. <laughs> your Head patch. on out. Head on out for your month of October. There's your uh get out of jail free card, bitch. <laughs> and that's this week's you heard. I feel like everything's such an effort today, seriously. I don't know why, but it really does. Because you're having computer problems, and when you have computer problems, the world just implodes, and that's what's happening. Well, here's the thing with the computers. I mean, we have one computer to edit on for the most part. And then, I, you know, that computer has been like the workhorse since before we started the show. Now, all of a sudden, that computer decides not to work. What do you edit the show on? You know, there's a bunch of backup computers that we have, there but is. none of them are as but massive or as you know easy to work on. True, as that one. true. Which kind of ships goes with this week's episode, or with this week's interview, because it's about the creator of a show where New York is not the New York that we have today, it's where that we don't have the technology that we had today. We don't have the technology that we had yesterday the way things are working out. <laughs> if we did, I'd be in a lot better mood. It would be a lot less effortless if we had the technology You're we had welcome, yesterday. You're welcome, listeners. I'm going to try and keep everything even keel, but I don't know if I can do that. So here's the deal. You talked to Ace Salisbury. I did. Why did you, Salisbury? Why did you say it like because that? Because I can't say the word Salisbury without having my mouth water right now thinking of a Salisbury steak. <sighs> I know. When you asked me, like, what his name was, I was just like, can't you just call him Ace? I cannot call him <laughs> no. Ace. He has a last name. He so does. So we have, have to one. call him, like, Ace Salisbury. And now, Ace Salisbury sounds like a very delicious young man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was delicious to talk to. I could say that. He was. I, my, my mouth wasn't watering as much <laughs> during the interview. I mean, it was good. It was definitely a good interview. <laughs> but, I mean, it was really watering when I read what his name was. <laughs> 
And he is a guy who created a web series called Everything's Okay. He did create a web series called Everything's Okay. And as of right now, three of the episodes are out. Yes, on the the website on its website, um, eokshow.com. And episode four is coming out this week. Yes, on Wednesday, um, October 12th. And, you know, before we go into the interview, mm-hmm. let me just say, and, and we'll pick up on this more as the interview ends, mm-hmm. we watched what's available right mm-hmm. now. The first three episodes and the trailer. It's awesome. Isn't it? Like, it looks it's, it looks really cool. It has an awesome soundtrack. Like, the soundtrack is just very fitting. Very fitting. Very fitting for what it is. And it's done by, like, I un, unfortunately, like, it's done by this, like, 90s musician who I don't remember. Um, but his name is Rob Crow. And he's from the band Pinback, which is an indie rock band from San Diego that like this guy like loved that ace you know loved and he was like listening to it as he was coming up with the show and everything and the music just goes with the show like perfectly and he has a really cool story about how Rob Crow uh, came to be involved well why don't we get to the interview and hear ourselves how Rob Crow came to be involved there will be a quiz later Oh, shoot, man. I don't have the mental capacity for that. No, I'm just that. kidding. All I'm right. just kidding. It was just a joke. Jesus. Throw another computer out the window tonight. Exactly. Great. God. God knows what's going on down in that alleyway down there. <laughs> just picking at the bones right now. <laughs> the cats are going to have a lot of things to play with. Good Lord. All right. So why don't we roll that fabulous bean footage? <laughs> Hello. Hi, Ace. It's Nikki from the High Regard Show. How are you today? Hi, Nikki. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for speaking with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, this is fantastic. I'm so excited we could do this. Yes, me too. So let's start by you telling me how the idea for Everything is Okay came to be. Okay, well, the real story is I was taking a shower one day, and (laughs) I started having these visions of New York City with a completely different landscape. Instead of being surrounded by rivers, Manhattan was surrounded by these gaping gulches and completely free of water just became this urban canyon. And Mm -hmm. I was just imagining people having to live like underground because it was too hot. And I was imagining, you know, you know, this kind of um, ruins where, where the city used to be. And I thought this was a really interesting idea. Uh, this would be way too expensive to film ever. And so I was talking about this idea with uh, a buddy of mine who I, I make art with all the time, uh, Christopher C.J. O'Connell. And he was like, dude, I can build tiny sets out of cardboard and garbage, and it would be super cool. And I'm like, that'll never happen. I have to do a Kickstarter. And so fast forward a few years, I did a Kickstarter, and it's done. <laughs> so how long did it you know take to develop from that that one shower to you know the finished product that we could see today oh much too long if i if i told you how long it would if people would never invest in the show no i'm just I'm, um, it, okay so it's a long process kind of self-financing and self-starting your own idea mm-hmm. so it started with a 
it started with a pilot episode, which was a weekend of filming that I had to bankroll myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, basically collecting as many favors as I could, like somebody loaned right. me a Manhattan green screen studio that they work in occasionally. And, uh, and um, I, you know, got actors, flew a couple people in from out of, out of New York City, um, somebody from the West Coast, somebody from Arkansas. And I, so that whole thing happened. That was the kind of the proof of concept. Uh, that I would then use to do a Kickstarter. So then, so about, uh, unfortunately, because we had a drive failure on that shoot, mm-hmm. my first day of the, that two-day shoot got destroyed. So it ended oh, up, no. um, we ended up having to refilm, not exactly that, but I kind of rewrote this kind of weird trailer that was just kind of little snippets of what I wanted uh, for the first season. And I just filmed that in my living room uh, over the following summer. So it was, that was like an added six months. That we oh, didn't wow. tell anybody about because we were about to fundraise on Kickstarter. We're trying to, you know, project this image of confidence, you know, like, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm good at what I do. You should invest in me. That, that story didn't really jive with it. So, so that was like six months. And then, so then I finally, like, over the summer, finished up that trailer. Um, super, like, freebie, no money spent on it trailer. Um, and then we did a Kickstarter. We raised $23,000. And then we, like, in a few months, uh, January, uh, I think it was January 2015, shot for 11 days, also in my apartment, but this time with a budget. Um, and so then what happened after that was I spent a year, literally 365 days of solid, like, 70-hour week working oh. in post-production just by myself because we raised enough money for the shoot but not enough for post. Okay. So I was the one-man post team, and very fortunately for this show, I happen to have those skills. That's my background, you know. I, right. I, and so I spent basically a year in After Effects making this show look different from everything else. Uh, and so, it does. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and it was amazing, but, um, thank, you know, I... It was it was a, a vacation from the real world in, in a weird sort of way. Um, yeah, I can't believe it's done. But so all told, it was about two years, uh, maybe wow. a little two and a half years if you include the you know polish up and getting everything ready for release. But you know because we finished it in January 2016. Okay. Um, and so since then we've just been like screening it privately to our people we got into the Cannes Film Festival um, screened our yeah. episodes there kind of retooled things and just you know um, figured out how we were going to you know kind of sh- what our face was going to look like to the world in that all right. time and yeah, um, so big long project. <laughs> definitely, it was definitely a labor of love. You could tell, you could totally tell that you know it, it was definitely made by people who really wanted to get this made. It, it, you know, and you know, with the purpose mm. of being debuted, you know, at Cannes. How was that? You know, what was that like for you? That was a wild ride. It was me and my supervising producer Cameron Bosser, and um, we spent. Um, and we uh, basically it was a working party because we realized that the real networking happens when people aren't expecting it. And right. People let their guard down and actually kind of make meaningful contact with you. So we ended up going right. to Chloe Savigny's, you know, party that she was throwing. We didn't make it to her yacht, but apparently that was later in the night. But um, we were told that happened. Um, it was just this weird, surreal experience where we weren't. We were totally thrown off by the j- 
jet lag, but also even more so by the like ten hour layover that we had in uh, in like, Lisbon, Portugal, uh, which totally we there was no place that we, we it was basically a red eye flight and then hang out for ten hours in the airport and oh. like try to sleep awkwardly. So that kind of like even if you could adjust from the jet lag, like you had this twenty four hours where you weren't going to sleep. Right. Uh, before and after the trip. And I feel like the whole trip like a weird dream. Like, you know, you cut to like you wake up in the Lisbon airport and the whole thing never really happened. That, that's what it felt like. <laughs> and, you know, Everything's Okay is described as a post apocalyptic cardboard punk. Is that because, you know, the cardboard punk part, is that because, you know, um, CJ used cardboard to make some of those stuff? And, Things. What does that mean yeah, exactly? Exactly. Well, okay, if I had to characterize this, um, we're kind of going for this completely kind of meta look where the world, I mean, we kind of have this big joke, like me and, and the rest of the team, that if we ever do a flashback to before, it's going to be all live action on location, no miniature set. It's kind of like this big metaphor for how we fucked up the world. But, I mean, I'm not sure <laughs> we're actually going to do that. But it's, um, the real story behind it is that um, – Christopher, uh, before we ever did any work together on film, all, he, we hung out one Halloween, and I saw that he made this really elaborate um, Halloween costume for himself, completely out of cardboard paint and a glue gun, and it was incredible. <laughs> and uh, and I really, and then a few years later, I met up with um, a producer who really wanted to launch uh, a show. You know, you really wanted to create a proof of concept for this show we created in like a in a Starbucks called Cardboard Town. And so I was just he was like it should be a film noir made out of cardboard. Full stop motion. And I was like, oh I know just the guy for this. And so I called Christopher and we made something and it was incredible. And then, you know, obviously nothing ever happens with T V pilots. So um so that never saw the light of day. But after, you know, finally we realized that I that this show everything's okay that I thought of in the aforementioned shower uh, was a really good opportunity to use that aesthetic that we cultivated with Cardboard mm. Town and and you know Christopher had all these amazing ideas for how it was thematically relevant you know because Cardboard Town was really very strict very purist in terms of it was just mm -hmm. cardboard mostly flat cutouts but then all the backgrounds were dioramas and stuff that he would build. He filled a whole living room with us with these kind of um, <laughs> kind of like maybe like five foot tall buildings, uh, and, and it was insane. And um, but this is much more free form. Like he uses whatever materials he wants. Like he ripped open an old computer, um, an old computer power supply, and got all these probably toxic parts that look amazing on these machine pieces that he built. And um, it's just all this post consumer waste. And it's such a great idea for a, for a piece that's about the environment. Sure, I, I yeah. Like, no, it's totally his idea, and it's fantastic just, you know, creating this, like, rhyming aesthetic thematically. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, of everyone that you could have chosen, why Orson Welles is the character of the reanimated head? Because that was just, well, you know, I, I can't wait to see what he does. <laughs> <laughs> the real story behind choosing Orson Welles, first of all, I'm a huge fan of his films, but what really got me uh, obsessed with him as a character was that video that went viral a couple of years ago of Orson Welles' drunk outtakes, 
where he's <laughs> advertising Palmasan wine, but he's totally loaded, and he's just messing up the lines, going on too long, um, just kind of swaying back and forth drunkenly. And what you're seeing is a man, like, towards the end of his life, hugely fat, um, no longer, you know, doing well. Uh, he's mm-hmm. stooping to doing a commercial, trying to raise money for a, a film that will never get finished in his lifetime. And it's just, there's this, the, the, the combination of characteristics there, the fact that he is so brilliant and is so pompous, but also is, like, totally slumming it in his life right now. Right. Like, that, pay, that pathos, I thought, was amazing. And I just, you know, and, of course, I grew up with the critic, um, and that, you know, Orson Welles was a frequent character on that, and, you know, of course, like, Pinky and the Brick. It was really the drunk outtakes that made me want to put all this together. And I just thought he was such a funny idea for a sidekick of this demented Orson Welles that is has literally hit rock bottom, was dug up, reanimated, and is allowed to think <laughs> even lower. <laughs> and Michael Brown is so spot on. You know, you found him just through a YouTube search? <laughs> I was searching YouTube. I wasn't even looking. I wasn't even doing casting at this point. I was just trying to figure out what people had done before in terms of how they go about impersonating Orson Welles. And so I was just searching, and it's it's not as popular a search term as you'd think, Orson Welles impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the top on the list, it was Michael Brown doing um, just doing a kind of an impression of the frozen peas commercial outtake. Um, you know, there's a farm where Mrs. Buckley lives, and, and every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that? You know, that whole thing. And but what he did that was so different from everybody else, that, you know, all other six people that were that came up with that search term, um, was that he contorted his face in a way that, you know, he starts off the video just looking at the camera, and... He then he contorts his face and he scrunches his brow and he moves his chin into an underbite and all of a sudden he becomes Wells. This you know the forehead elongates and turns into this unmistakable Wellsian uh, face and it's incredible and that to me was what really sold me on it and also you know and his impression's great uh, but <laughs> the fact that he can face act as well is what really yeah, that's what bought him a ticket to New York City. <laughs> and how did you know that Patricia Zucola um, was your Artemis? Because, you know, it, it, this also has, you know, a very strong female lead character. So how did you know she was the one for you, for the role that you saw as Artemis? Well, I, uh, Patty, uh, she at the time was my neighbor. She lived upstairs from me um, in my building in Brooklyn. And I thought she would be the most fantastic Artemis, and, you know, I, I pretty, like, her personality is the Artemis that you see on mm-hmm. the screen, like, it's just perfect, but I had a lot of producers, uh, a couple of my producers and one of my actors, who is also kind of an honorary producer, they were really not sold on it, and they, they didn't even know anything about her, but they just didn't like the mm-hmm. idea of, oh, you want to cast your neighbor, and so right. we all compromised, and we did a casting call, and we had our four favorite actresses show up and do Artemis, and we filmed it, and I'm sure it'll make a great DVD-X or someday, uh, <laughs> whatever kind of media is receiving extras by the time we release it. Um, <laughs> and 
And she just knocked it out of the park. Just this whole, like, eye-rolling, the sarcasm, like, the darkness of the performance. Mm-hmm. You know, she, you really got the sense that there was this teenage hostile dependency uh, that she was just nailing. Because, I mean, a, a few of the other actresses, I mean, they were all great, but, you know, they were just, in terms of, like, struggling to find Artemis's voice, you know, if it's too mm-hmm. sweet, it doesn't work. Right. She just did such a wonderful job and just truly, like, makes Artemis come to life, and you'll you'll see it as the rest of the episodes come out, that she just really takes this amazing arc. Awesome. And how did Rob Crow of Pinback's involvement come about? Because the music is, is pretty killer. It's really great. <clears throat> oh, thank you. I, I agree. He did such an incredible job. Well, I did not know Rob Crow at all before I reached out to him. I... In fact, I didn't even, I, I live under such a rock and, like, only listen to music from the 90s unless I'm, like, specifically <laughs> instructed to listen right. to everything. You know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty terrible at listening to music that, like, isn't nostalgia-based for me. Um, and so I was listening to, I found this music, and this is the real story. I haven't told anybody else. This. I was on, remember that program um, with it on, um, Shark sound, uh, sound shark or something. Groove shark. That's what it is. It, it, they went out of business. It's basically Pandora, but um, Groove Shark. And I searched for the Pixies, and the second track that came up on the like randomization algorithm was uh, Thingy's song um, um, Mayday. That's the name of it. Yeah, Thingy Mayday, and that's Rob Crow's band from like 1995. And I heard that song. It was just it's this intense, progressive, like, math rock, uh, really nice distortion, kind of like Smashing Pumpkins meets, um, meets um, like, Brian Eno, kind of. It's really intense. Uh, and I was hooked. So I started searching for all the music that he was involved with from that era I could. And so I gathered up these five albums. Uh, his band Heavy Vegetable has three albums that I was listening to, and then I would intersperse that with Thingy's two albums. They were all just brilliant. I mean, they were just, it was kind of like the 90s rock, scratched that itch that I really needed, but also he was just mm-hmm. so all over the place. Like, the songs were literally ADHD. They would just be <laughs> all over the place. It was kind of, it was like he had scored a movie uh, that didn't exist. They were just all over the place. They were changing moods. Um, in such intricate ways. And I was listening to this the whole time I was writing the script for Everything's Okay. Uh, that Like, obsessively. I was not listening to anything else but those five albums. And I was, it was really, for me, unarguably the soundtrack of what I had written. And so I was trying to think, like, you know, what am I going to do for the music for this show? And, right. and I'm a musician, too. There was a temptation for me to score the thing myself. I've uh, a lot of people involved in the show uh, are also, you know, would have loved to get that call asking him to do mm-hmm. music. But I was like, Rob Crow. I found him on Twitter. Asked him, your music's kind of interwoven into the script of this show I'm writing. Starting to think you should do the music. Email me here. <laughs> and he, I get an email back from him, and he's two words, sounds fun. It happened to us, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited that he was a part of it because it just it informs the aesthetic of the show in such a powerful way. Couldn't imagine it any other way now. That's amazing. What an amazing story. You know, just that, that's fantastic. Like, wow. 
And, you know, aside from being highly entertaining, you know, everything's okay, you know, from what we can see of it so far, um, because, you know, only the first two episodes are out right now. You know, it also has a message about a very scary reality that might not be that far away. So aside from being entertained, what do you hope viewers learn about fracking from this show? Or Well, I feel like this is based on a, one of my paranoias, one of my fears that that the comfort I get inside of my own home of having access to clean, delicious New York City drinking water, uh, that that could go away. And I'm not, uh, I'm typically I'm not a political artist at all, but the right. idea that, you know, that drinking water and the, the quality of our environment, you know, if things that could completely screw it up, the idea of being afraid of that, making you a political artist, like that's pretty, uh, yeah, I, I really just, this was born out of a place of fear for me. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hoping to get across is I, I'm never a fan uh, or rarely a fan of work that's just super preachy and arguing one side. Right. I'm rather than trying to tell people about fracking, I'm trying to raise, I'm trying to create this situation where people might think about it in a way that they didn't before. Get people talking about it. Start the conversation mm-hmm. about it rather than just people's tendencies are to just, it's too difficult to address this issue, so let's pretend everything's okay, keep going forward, and that's pretty much the vibe of the show, that what happens when that short-sightedness, that urge to maintain your comfort level gets pulled out into decades, and kind of tracking what can happen to, uh, to a civilization when that goes further than it should, and it's just all about inaction, inaction, after inaction, and finally all that's left are the people trying to survive in the aftermath. So I like the idea that it's in the background, and it's not, we're not trying to hit any viewers over the head with a a political agenda, it just is this nice backdrop for these stories that we're telling. And so my goal is... my goal is primarily to entertain and then to do it in such a way that, you know, maybe might make people think a little bit differently about some of these issues. Right. And it definitely does because you can't help but think of, like, huh, what would that really be like? Because I know I was picturing it, you know, just like, oh, my God, like, what would that look like? That is very scary. Um, and so now, you know, once, you know, episode eight airs, you know, what plans do you have after that? You know, are you, is the, is the season two in the works or is that something that you're even thinking about? Yeah, we're planning, um, already writing down plot points for a season two arc and, uh, we've got some hilarious ideas and, uh, I just, yeah, I, the the main goal of releasing season one by the time we get to episode eight is to have found an audience that can have enough pull to actually help us get this made. So that's the main experiment here to see if we can get all that into place. But yeah, we absolutely, there's so much more story to tell. And yeah, the audience is a huge part of that. Okay, great. And when did you know that you wanted to be a filmmaker? Well, when I was, okay, the trajectory of my life is like <laughs> this. I, when I was um, 
when I was a kid, like up to like 11 years old, I was all about drawing and drawing comic books. Um, and then in my teenage years, I became all about music. And, you know, I used to play the piano, drums, guitar, bass, sing a little bit, and would just write these songs. And I would record them multi-track, you know, and I would just play all the instruments and make these albums. And I totally thought I was going to go to college for that, but um, I ended up going to Bard College and ended up falling in love with the film department. And I had this idea that I could make films and then just score them and be like, this great meeting of all the things that I can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I ended up just completely finding myself unable to score any of my own work. Just like every time I would make something, I would just get too precious with the film and be like, oh, you know, this actually works really well silent. <laughs> and then I realized that if I got other people to play, <laughs> I would have loved to have worked as like an engineer at a recording studio. That was probably my like dream job like right before I went to college. And then realizing that there wasn't an infrastructure to for those jobs right. anymore in the same the same viability, the same numbers as there were like the decade before. That kind right. of you know, it it seemed like film had a lot more uh day job potential and so I kinda of switched <laughs> over to that and uh and so that's kind of the story. <laughs> that damn day job, it gets you every time. <laughs> I know, what, I know. <laughs> Who would you say, um, you know, were your early film influencers, you know, your your early um, uh, filmmaking influences? Well, I mean, Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half was like a big, a big push for me. But, God, I mean, if you're talking about before I was even making films, like the kind of films that got into my head, I think when, like, when I was a kid, like, uh, I think Fight Club was, uh, was a pretty big influence on me when I was a teenager. You know, that that really has a good, it's kind of like the uh, the catcher in the rye of, like, 90s films. Uh, you know, all, all teenagers can kind of grasp onto the, the themes in that one. <laughs> and finally... You know, since Everything Okay is a post-apocalyptic story, what three things would you need to aid your chances for survival when the apocalypse eventually does come? Ooh, okay. Well, it depends which side of the class system I'm on, because you're either <laughs> aided by these modern, terrible appliances that, you know, kind of preserve your life in this kind of weird digital dream state or you're you're in the gulch roughing it and you know you're, you're literally trying to avoid all the dangers by living off the grid so you need water first of all so you're either able to buy it and that's going to be the the delicious purified urine of flushing springs or you're going to have to find a way to purify it or steal it as the people in the gulch do so okay you need a, you need a water source um and you also need food. If I were a rich man in the apocalypse, I would be printing it on my 3D printer. Which, you know, <laughs> right, of course. course. Gonna hook up to, it's going to hook up to my Google Glass, which is going to entertain me by projecting a, a livable, you know, nice version of the, of the hellhole I, in fact, live on. Um, so, you know, food, you know, terrible that, you know, the 3D printed food, you know, and it, those flavor packets expired, you know, a few years ago, and the company that makes them, you know, kind of went the same way as the as civilization in the apocalypse. So you can't get any flavor patches anymore. So it's all just your protein cartridges and your fat cartridges uh, and just, you know, the mix that it makes. And so you really, it, it really helps to look at a, a Google Glass projected image of pre-apocalypse food while you're eating the printed matter. I really recommend that. Um, beyond that, just stay out of the sun and avoid the rat people. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's sound advice for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what my guidance counselor told me. <laughs> well, that is all I have for you, sir. So thank you so, so much for talking to the High Regard Show. We can't wait to watch episode three and then four and then all the way through eight and hopefully season two eventually. So thank you so much. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Okay. And we're back <laughs> with our interview with Ace Salisbury. 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 <laughs> stop, stop thinking of Salisbury yeah, steak. Like picture the frozen potatoes. kind. Picture the frozen kind that like care. that's like still frozen in the middle when you take it out of the microwave. I'll eat it and I will eat a frozen Salisbury, Salisbury steak. Oh right my now. god. Anyway. So it's really cool that um you know, everything's okay. The first episode, um, you know, premiered at Con. Like, I think that was, like, really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, the look of it is incredible. Like, the look of it really, really is absolutely amazing. And they call it, like, cardboard punk. Yes. And... There's a very good reason for that. <laughs> you know, very well fitting, considering that, just, you know, original sets were, like, mm-hmm. built in cardboard and stuff. But, I mean, it's also... It 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 has, it has such an industrial look about it, you know. It's almost like, how can I say it? It's like a less mechanical steampunk look, right? Like that's what I was thinking. Like as because of like the go go glass that they have to wear to like, yeah, you know, see things because like they don't know kind of that they're living in this like post apocalyptic world. They're because like this glass tells them that like. You know, this glass shows them that like everything's okay. (laughs) And I apologize. I said, I'm so, I'm such a plebe because I said con instead of can, the can film festival. Yeah. But it seems like, again, it would go at like cans. Like it would totally, I know it would totally fit in. Yeah. No, I'm saying that I just mispronounced can. That's all. Because you're angry about Comic-Con this week. Well, no, I just mispronounced. I'm angry that I mispronounced the name of the film, the the film festival where it premiered. Oh. Anyway, I'm angry at Comic Con. Well, week. you're angry at everything. Like you're angry at like everything. Like the tree outside the window, I think would piss you off. No, right I now. think the tree's all right right now. Comic Con, I am definitely pissed off. Well, at. Okay. We should have been there this week. We should have you know. because, and you know what? If for only reason, like to get those Golden Girl toys, because I am just very angry that I don't have them in my possession. It is because very I would have gotten them last night. I would have gotten them on the Thursday of Comic Con. But whatever, we adapt and overcome. Could you possibly make Golden Girl action figures out of cardboard? I don't think I could do anything creative like that. Like, I couldn't make a set. I couldn't make no. I couldn't do anything like that. Well, it was just my way of reeling it back into. I know the actual thing. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, there he comes around. He's gonna project. His anger on me now. So that's good. Good. Whatever, man. All Whatever right. makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy. So Ace. Yes. Um, it took him two years to make this. Mm-hmm. And after it was, the interview was over and I got done listening to it. And, um, you know, he, it is definitely one of those 
labors of love. You have to absolutely you're love all, the idea yeah. from the start because you are just in that you're for 24 yeah. months. And that's what your life becomes. I decided to go online and see, like, what is involved in doing something like this? And he's, like, right on target. He makes it seem like it took so much longer. But just looking at, like, other web series and what, like, the average time mm-hmm. is for them and stuff like that. He's right in the ballpark for what it should have taken for the endeavor that he, you know, decided to right. do this. But his looks a lot better than a lot of the stuff that's <laughs> out there. It's so. true. It's true. And I mean, like, it's like a live action animation hybrid, you know? It's kind of like, and like, they say that it's like a, yeah, it's like a live action animated hybrid, a DIY VFX extravaganza. And like, that's literally what it is. Like, you're looking at it because the people are real. Right. But then like everything that they're in isn't and it's like and it just works and it looks like really, really cool. It looks unlike everything else that you've seen because you're like, oh, something's in like post-apocalyptic New York and you just picture like, you know, these buildings. But like it's not like that. And it's it's really cool. And like one of the most poignant things I think for me was seeing how like in the one episode where the father figure is like sent to this gulf like the East River Gulf, I think it's he sent to. And it's like the river is completely gone and it's just this like gully of just dirt. Like it's just this like concave where the river used to be. And it's like, holy shit, like that's kind of what it would look like. Yeah, and that's what it could possibly be and one it's, day yeah. too. I mean. You know, and I mean like, because basically it's a story of a girl um, named Artemis who is... Um, it's a decade after the apocalypse. Uh, there's no water. Um, this young girl goes on a quest to find her dad with one of my favorite aspects of it, too, which is the revived head of Orson Welles. Because who doesn't love Orson Welles? I was going to say, that was definitely my favorite character, without a doubt. Because he's just so Orson Welles. Absolutely. I mean, the, the the casting for it was, like, perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. And, like, they're just, like, really gritty, and it's it's just, and it's funny, but it's also kind of disturbing. And, it, and like, and like <laughs> yes, you know, Abe said, like, he doesn't want to be political, he doesn't want to preach, and it makes you think. Like, you know, when you're brushing your teeth... Maybe turn the water off before it's time for you to rinse. Like, make little efforts to just... But I feel like most of the time, if you are going to do something that's going to be impactful, you have to do it without preaching. Like, all right, here's an example. I feel like in the beginning, when you two used to put out albums... And they used to just put, uh, no, seriously, they used to put, like, lyrics and songs talking about, like, social issues Mm -hmm. dealing with, like, the state of Ireland. And people would listen to them. And they'd get it. You didn't have to, like, pound it in their head. It wasn't until Bono started, like, flying all over the place. Wearing his glasses in the dark. His USA, like, Sunglasses at night. (laughs) But, I mean, all of that stuff, at that point in time, he started to preach and people were just like, dude, we don't want no part of it. You were getting the message across Mm -hmm. in a much stronger way because people don't want to be preached to. Right, exactly. You know, it's like going, all right, if we're talking and telling me a story, that's one thing. If If you're just berating me with your ideas and not giving me a chance to process what you're saying or what my ideas are. Right. Well, then I'm just going to cut you out because I'm going to figure it out on my own anyway. I'm not going to listen to your shit. Most right. Likely. Exactly. Yeah. And I think he, d- he goes about this like he doesn't, you know, not that we've seen so far in the, in the, the episodes that are available on the website, but like, you know, 
it's just like this thing happened and this is kind of how you know what it might be like right which is good because that's how i want to be informed yeah yeah it's like let me decide for myself because i have a brain which is what i think a lot of people and a lot of politicians forget is that people have brains well that's it man if you're the kind of person who can plant a seed rather than just try to drop a tree in a hole you're probably going to do a lot better you know because I guess the roots are stronger by the time it all said and done, right? Yeah. All right. Well, there's there a go. little bit of philosophy knocking on your door. <laughs> there's a little ham and eggs coming at you. <laughs> there's a little ham and eggs. Because it's any more than that. Oof. <laughs> Sorry. It's I can't even use food metaphors. I keep you forgetting. You can't even do it. So, seriously, I would say if you have a chance, please, please check out Everything is Okay. From Ace Salisbury. Ace, no last name. Salisbury. <laughs> it's Salisbury. And you can find it on eokshow.com. Yes. And really, seriously, it, they're not long episodes. Like mm, No, they're like, you know, under six minutes. Um, Like, I think the longest one was like five minutes and 28 seconds. So, I mean, yeah. And it's fun and it just looks really, really cool. And I really hope that you check it out. My only suggestion is if you're going to check it out, don't watch the preview first. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just my opinion. I, I don't know. Well, you're not a fan of trailers. I'm anyway. not a fan you of hate. trailers. Just go right into the show. Start with number one. Go through number three. Hopefully number four if it's after Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then go back and watch the trailer. Because, I mean, the production is yeah, the just production amazing. Is super cool. Just for the look, you'd want to see the extra thing. And I found that's one thing that you and I discussed after watching the, the three episodes that were available and the trailer was that... If there was one criticism about the show, it would have been like, I just want more. Like, by the time it's over, I'm like, I just, I'm like, oh, man, it's just too quick. I want more of it. But I understand if you are, like, basically a guy trying to put this together, like, with limited resources, it's not going to be easy to put out, like, 15-minute, 12-minute, half-hour shows but but then it's, again, it's it's a web series. So like the nature of a web series is not to be episodic, like is not to be like true. episodic TV. So true. But yeah. I want it to be kind of like I, I know see this on Adult because Swim. you're like yeah exactly. Like I think this would be really cool to be on Adult Swim. And uh, and and I hope like by the time it's all done, somebody reaches out to this guy and just says like, Hey guy, Mr. Salisbury. Besides having, <laughs> besides having a very delicious last name, you have a scrumptious series on your hands. <laughs> we just want to extend it a little bit. Here's what you need as far as resources and make this thing happen. Because yeah. Midnight Tonight, if that thing came on, I would be glued hooked. to yeah, it. There's hooked. no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Like It's definitely like, it's really good and you should definitely check it out. Absolutely. And that concludes... This week's interview with Ace Salisbury. Of Everything's Okay. That's right. Thanks, Ace. Thank you, Ace. And now, what do you want to do now? Well, I guess it's time for a roly-poly rorty, huh? Oh. (laughs) All right. Keep him with the fun. (laughs) Play that fucking music, white boy. Roly-poly rorty. Roly-poly rorty. 
So I understand we're going to manipulate the format a little bit of Roller Not really. Warriors we're just going to have a conversation, but I'm All just right. going to kind of... You're so, going to direct it because... A little bit. Just a scotch. All right. I'm that's gonna, fair I'm just going to shush it up. I just don't have the energy to I like know, even. Tom. I know. The energy or the non-anger. I get it. All right. Well, there you have it. So we are now officially a week. I can't believe it's been a week since you've had bariatric surgery. I can't believe I'm still alive. Honestly, like my like one of my questions was like, like I wanted to start off kind of with like, you know, what were your thoughts going into it? But like, do you want to start off with that one? I mean, really. I don't mind staying in order. No, no, no. I don't. I don't care. Like, because right. I really I got like three questions and I'm like, Ugh. and I'm like, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to wing it because it's all about the prep. It's all about the prep. <laughs> or the all lack right. thereof. <laughs> but like when you like. I think, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to almost go chronologically, but like, so you had your surgery last Friday, yes. you know, and it was a long time coming as, you know, our listeners know. So as you were putting on the picture, you know, as you were putting on like your little, like, <laughs> whatever that is, like, I don't even My know, hair is it hairnet? Is, yeah, hair like, is a hairnet the right was word? Was on Lunch Lady Lunch <laughs> <laughs> Lady <laughs> yes, as I was putting that hairnet on. Which you guys can get a picture of if you go to highregardshow.com and read this week's word installment of Roly Poly Rarity, where you can see Tom pre-op in his gown and his hairnet, his lunch lady hairnet. So as you were being wheeled away from us, you know, because the whole gang was there, the you know, in the pre-op there. room, what were your thoughts going into the surgery? Uh, like, because you hadn't been given, you know, the knockout fun. No. So, like, not what at that were your point. like as you were heading away from your family into that room? What were your thoughts? Um. All right. Well, let's see. Not what they were after the surgery. Well, that's <laughs> well, why I'm asking not. about before going in. I went in, and and I told because the doc. It was it was really weird because. Like, you were there, my parents were there, Tyler was there, the, and the doctors kept coming over, and they just they just kept asking me, like, are you nervous? Like, are you feeling okay? Like, do you have any questions? Like, if you have any questions, just ask. And in my head, I think the whole time, all I kept thinking was, I'm not nervous. I honestly was not nervous, I felt, at all at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really wasn't. If anything was making me nervous, it was them that just kept asking me if I was nervous. And it was like... Like the people, like the doctors. And yeah, because okay. it was like, do I need to be nervous? Because I don't feel nervous, and you keep asking me if I am. And that started to, like, weigh me down a little bit. Okay. But for the most part, um, I would say if I had to pick one emotion, it would definitely have been excitement. Because excitement. Excitement. Absolutely positively, because I've been going on with this pain now for nine months. Mm-hmm. Of of like literally feeling like I was being cut in half. Right. And here we are at the day where they're going to do the surgery. And within a few months, if everything goes to plan, Not God good. willing, <laughs> then that pain will be gone. Mm-hmm. And it will be like, oh, man, it will have lasted a year by the time it dissipates. Right. But I'm finally at the point where I can see light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. So it by far would have been excitement. If I could pick any emotion. Okay. So segueing into that light at the end of the tunnel, when you started to come out of 
the <laughs> lovely world of um, what is it called? Um, What's the morphine A-word? bliss? <laughs> is it morphine? No. What is the yeah? It was anesthesia. Mo- anesthesia. Right. Anesthesia. But immediately into morphine. Right. But like when we got to see you and you were rolled into recovery. Yeah, something was wicked not right. Like something I mean, wasn't it was right. It com- <laughs> from what everybody said, because I had seen you after you had other procedures, and you were this cuddle bear, and you were just like this high as a kite cuddle bear. I am uh, awesome on you drugs. Are, you are, and when it like you, like <laughs> honestly, because I was telling everybody, I'm like, oh my god, like doped up Tom is my favorite Tom because he's so chill and he's just like this big bear and he's all like lazy and I love it. Not that not day. this time, <laughs> not this time. And it was, it was our, your mom and I were both like really like, oh my god, because you were in a shit ton of pain, even though you were on your beloved morphine. Yeah. So as those moments were happening, like you know, you're in recovery and we're there and. You know, that did you expect to be in that much pain? No, no. And why is that? Because as I told the doctor when I came out, <laughs> were you there when I did when I said that? No, I, d- I never saw the doctor. I just saw like the recovery room, like doctors. All right. So the surgery is over. Everything's cool. I'm in this like room, and the next thing you know, I wake up and the doctor is like just standing over me, and he's like, "Tom, Tom, are you all right? How you feeling?" And I look up and I see him and he has this big smile on his face and he goes, everything went great. He goes, how are you feeling? And I went to sit up because... Thinking of the past yeah, procedures. Yeah, it never ever has been an issue ever for me. And I went to sit up and as I did, it was as if someone stuck a spike through me. Like ass to mouth, like basically. Like Vlad the Impaler? Yeah. Like Vlad the Impaler came calling. And my whole body felt like it was just, like, <laughs> never, ever felt pain like that before. And I, I went to get up, and all of a sudden my face went white, and I fell back down again. I mean, and when I say get up, I mean get up on my elbows. I didn't make it very far. Right. And the doctor looked, and he goes, and he goes, are you all right? And I'm like, something's not right. And he goes, he goes, what? And he goes, everything went fine. He goes, there's no complications. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're, he goes, yeah. everything's good. And I go, something's not right, though. I go, because I have a really high pain tolerance, and something is really wrong with the, the amount of pain that I'm feeling right now. And he just, and he still has this big smile on his face. And he goes, Tom, he goes, this is just part of the operation. He goes, if... We told people that this is what it feels like after getting the operation. Nobody would do it. And he goes and says, so this is what is normal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is impossible. It can't (laughs) be normal. But you had major surgery done to your body. Like, how do you not? Like, I am petrified to get surgery because I know that no matter how, like, and my doctor has been upfront with me the whole time. Like, what you have to have, what I have to have done is going to be a very difficult surgery. So, like, going into that, like, how do you not think that this is going to be major? Because years ago, I had my gallbladder out. This isn't like, you know, today where you can get your gallbladder out in a matter of minutes and they send you home the same night. When I got my gallbladder out, I was supposed to stay in the hospital. And after my surgery was done, they were like, as soon as you can get up and move around, we're good. And I got up. I moved around. I found my clothes. I put them on. I left the hospital. I went home, went to my third floor walk up. And when I got there, we were greeted by many phone calls. It was my mom and I, actually, who Mm -hmm. went, asking 
has anybody seen me because they apparently lost me. And my mom picked up the phone after like four messages from the hospital were laying on the machine and said, we're back at the apartment. And they're like, he wasn't supposed to leave for three days. And I busted open all my stitches. I had to stay in that bed for two weeks. I couldn't get up mm -hmm. at all. And even then, during that operation, it did not hurt anything like this okay. at all. And And so like... It's not like I never had an operation before. I definitely have something to very okay. clearly compare it to. Okay, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And now, fast forward 20-some years since that gallbladder surgery left the hospital early to Saturday morning <laughs> when you decide to leave the hospital because you were feeling a five level of pain, which is what they said you should be while overnight you had been nine, a level nine amount of pain. Yeah. You reached five. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking in your eyes as we were going to the pharmacy to get like all your dope. And I was like, dude, go back upstairs because you don't look well. And you're like, nope, I'm fine. We're going home. We're going home. Uh, well, <laughs> Eight o'clock the next morning, we're preparing to go to the emergency room because you were throwing up all night. Yes. Well, so you are a habitual leave earlier. I am, leave early person. I am. And there's reasons behind it. Because, <laughs> oh, God. All right. So. I've worked on an ambulance before. I have, like, a little experience with hospitals and stuff like that. And I know, like, even now, these days, when you and I go to the hospital, it's <laughs> Which sucks. is where we hang out. Which, I mean, lately, I feel like it is where <laughs> we hang out. We spend a lot of time there. <laughs> but, I mean, when you go to the hospital, the reason why you can't get a room is because a lot of people, a lot of people are just like, one more day. And they don't necessarily need that next that extra day. But isn't it good to have just in case after a major surgery you have a complication? Because you're almost always guaranteed, especially you and I, we're almost guaranteed that there's going to be some kind of major complication because nothing ever goes right. To a point. But on the same, on you know, the same theory of thinking is we could use that extra day in the hospital just to have that, just to have it. Just, just so we have it. But my conscience is always like, there's somebody downstairs in the emergency room who is definitely in way more pain than I am. So if I'm at a five and there's somebody down there in a nine waiting for the room, it's not my right to be having that room. But if they're in that much pain, they're going to stay down there in the ER. Perhaps. Perhaps. It depends on what so they have. So you're saying that for the good of humanity, you came home early. That and the fact that I felt like I was so drugged up that I was indestructible at the time. Yes. Because to go from a nine pain level down to a five pain level, That's I was like. a big like, jump, yeah, or a big drop, yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously, what's going to affect me? And be right before I left, they gave me one more dose of morphine. Because the morphine just dripped throughout the entire night. Of course, yeah. And if I needed more, I could press a button and it would feed me more. So Within 10 minutes, like in 10 minute increments. And what a scam this is. I mean, shame, shame, shame all around it. <laughs> that they don't give it to me every time I want it. No, you press the button, right? Mm -hmm. And if, you know, 10 minutes later, you press it again and it's two beeps. And that means we're going to start dripping again. So you can have your eyes closed with your hand on the button. Which you, I'm sure, did. <laughs> you know I did. <laughs> so 10 minutes goes by. I press the button. It beeps twice. It draws more in. 
Now, if you're at like the eight minute mark and you press the button. And you don't know because who has a concept of time? Especially when you're, when you're doped, doped up, up on morphine. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. <laughs> no, I press the button again and it's one loud beep. And you can see all the nurses like looking over like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's all right. Oh, that guy's kind of in a rush for his morphine. <laughs> and after you do it for like, I don't know. 18 times. Throughout the night. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt that it was, it was definitely double digits. You're just like, all right, well, what do you want me to tell you, man? I like morphine. So keep looking and you're over in there. Pain. I don't give a shit. And you're in pain. So don't judge me. Exactly. She don't know me. <laughs> okay. So we are a week past post-op. We are a week post-op. You had your first appointment. Given <laughs> all of the pain... Given that wonderful weekend in NYU Langone, which was immaculate, the room amazing. Was the room beautiful. was great. I was like, could we just move in here because we had a view of the Chrysler Building, and like, I mean, it was just wonderful. The view. It really it was great really was. to sit in a chair for seven hours. In <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> Imagine how I was. I was in bed the whole time. I couldn't sleep at all because I couldn't turn on my side or anything like right, that. Yeah. So there was absolutely no sleep or anything. Right. But. but now you're back. You have your sutures off. You have your bandages off. You're healing. You're sleeping on your side. You know. So we're a week out. Yeah. How do you feel? Exhausted. Um. Like zero energy. Like even today we were doing a show. The the prep for the show, I mean, seriously, for today's show, we had so much of it ready before time because, thank God, you and I, we really dug in and got a lot done for a couple of upcoming shows right. just to we make didn't know sure what to we expect. Yeah, just in case of these complications that occurred. Right. Know? And so, I mean, we did awesome when it came to that. But, you know, even with all that prep, I've said, oh, maybe I need like 20 minutes, a half an hour just to read a little bit before we mm-hmm. get ready to do the show. After that twenty minutes worth of reading, I like seriously, I I I'm ready for bed. You know, it's six o'clock at night or six forty at night right now. There have been times where we, we went and recorded the show after a full day of work at like midnight mm-hmm. and we're just like going, Oh, we're gonna order a pizza now. Like we always make fun. But that seriously was pretty much okay. the ritual. Today it's like going, All right, it's six forty at night. You'll be done by we like do nine, seven, dead, three, nine, eight. just yeah. completely dead. In fact, the show might not even get out of it tonight. The way okay, things are going, okay, okay. Well, so tired, definitely hungry, but it's weird because I can have three shakes a day. Basically, is what mm-hmm. it comes down to. If I drink half of one, I'm so full that I can't eat for like almost the entire day yeah. up until like eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean. You know, and you're down how many pounds now? Just about thirty pounds in three weeks to the day. Yep. So I mean, it's it's not that it's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, losing the weight wasn't wasn't the, yeah the reason for going. But when people this. hear bariatric surgery, the first thing that they think of is, well, how much weight have you lost? So that's why I asked. Right, and and I get it. Inquiring minds want to know, <laughs> and I totally get it. It does work. If you're looking to lose weight, it does work. For now, I mean, it's we're only a week in, so like we're definitely going to keep you posted. But, Absolutely. And you know, we get a little bit more in depth with you know the past week in this week's Roly Poly Rarity, which you can find on HighRegardShow.com, which yes. is Tom's version. And the next week, I'll talk about kind of what's going. 
going on at that point from my perspective. <laughs> God knows what that's going to be like. <laughs> well, if we get the computer fixed, I think everything will be okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see what happens. So, I mean, overall, I, I would say like, you know. It's a big difference from the beginning of the week to today. It definitely is. You know, Monday at this time, I was still in the hospital bed. I couldn't even get out of it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we were just getting home from the hospital, like, five days ago today. Yeah, and there was ago. no relief, really, until after seeing the doctor on Wednesday. Yeah. And then finally getting the sutures off and yeah. feeling like everything just kind of started to lift a little bit. But I feel like it's still a long way to go before, like, well, a recovery is done. Definitely. So, so As we'll you get see. And plus, you're going to have to get used to a whole new... You know, diet next starting next week. You know, true. so but. true, and that's going to change every couple of weeks for yeah. you know the next couple of months. Yeah. So <laughs> it should be interesting. It should be interesting. <laughs> At least you won't get bored. <laughs> oh, good lord! And that is, um, would you say this week's roly poly roly sustained? Play it. Ah. So we're coming to the end again. We are. We are. And I would say, like, as of right now, there's really not much more left to talk about outside of the Did You Know segment. So let's jump into it. You want to go right into into one theme music into another theme music. Right into it. I feel like we can just eventually make this show nothing but, like, intro and outro music. I think that'd be awesome. Do you really? Mm Mm-hmm. With commercials in between. Yes. For what? Everything. Who would sponsor us on this show? I feel like Slim Fast should be one. GNC should be GNC. one. GNC. Mm-hmm. Muscle milk. Muscle milk, which I had my first muscle milk today. I got to say, it wasn't it's too okay. bad. It yeah. wasn't too bad. It's I mean, okay. they, oh. I don't like the name. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I don't like milk. I'm not a fan of milk. So when I think of milking muscles, <laughs> like I don't like thinking of milking anything. This is the only thing I can pretty much eat right now. So don't, be, don't talk about it like, a, oh, somebody milked a muscle into a container. I got muscles. You want to milk me? Why don't you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. Which one you want? The vanilla or the chocolate? You want chocolate milked muscles in a container? Yeah, Nikki, that's what I want. You're welcome. Get into this week's Did You Know? Oh, Christ. Did you know? Did you know, or in this case, do you know? I do not. You might. Fracking is the process of drilling down into the earth before a high-pressure water mixture is directed at the rock to release the gas inside. That sounds dangerous. Well, Which is why I think some people are having a problem with it. Well, we'll see. Mm. Water, sand, and chemicals are all injected into the rock at high pressure, which allows to gl- which allows the gas to flow out of the well. So, <laughs> what's the controversy about? Because that water is tainted, and it's getting into the environment. <laughs> tainted. Taint. Fracking uses a huge amount of water, which must be transported to the fracking site at significant environmental cost. Mm-hmm. Environmentalists say potentially poisonous chemicals used may escape and contaminate groundwater around fracking so sites. So I was right. Pretty much. Pretty and much. I literally knew nothing. Like, I don't know anything about fracking. I know enough to be angry at it, but... That is not a good <laughs> thing, not, sheep. <laughs> that that is a, such a sheep thing to say. Sheep sing to say. Sheep sing to say. 
The industry suggests pollution incidents are the result of bad practice rather than an inherently risky technique. There are also worries that the fracking process can cause small earth tremors. Which is a very scary thought. It is. You're basically inducing earthquakes for the most part. And Be mad at something like that. I am mad at All stuff right. like that. Like, I don't want the environment to get fucked up. Because, like, even before watching Everything's Okay, you know, I have a... Like, I think about sometimes, like, losing water and, like, what, like, and that scares me because it's eventually going to dry up someday. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there was this um, article years ago, and I think it was, like, in Popular Science or something like that. My dad read it, and he would refer back to it constantly, I remember, for, like, months. He kept going back to this article where he was convinced water was going to be, like, the new currency like it was going to be worth more than fuel or gold or anything else on the planet because once it's gone it's mm-hmm. you're not getting it from anywhere yeah. it's done and so many other planets don't have unless water you filter with the urine of like and everything's okay if people can live long enough to do so <laughs> i mean there there's yeah. probably a problem but um you know it was so weird that like i really believed like man water one day is going to be like what our economy is going to be based on more than anything else until a few years later when I saw Kevin Costner's Waterworld and I was like, everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Maybe land's going to be the problem. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Take to the seas. That's it. So that's uh, a rather insightful did you know for this week. It is. Well done. (laughs) All right. So let's wrap it up. Did you know? And that's our show for this week. Wow. Chock-a-block, I would say. It was a lot to squeeze in. It was. But thank you again very much to Mr. Ace Salisbury. (laughs) Yes, and be sure to check out Everything's Okay at eokshow.com. And we'll, of course, always, as always, have links in this week's show description to their Facebook, Twitter, and website. Yes, we will. And if you would like to learn more about The High Regard Show, please check us out at highregardshow.com. And you can also, if you have anything to say to us, email us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could always join the fun on social media by finding us as High Regard Show. And that does it for another week in the books. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Ciao, Bella. And uh, by next week, we'll have something else thrown together. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) 